0: Welcome, everybody, to Who's Your Band? We are back here with another new exciting edition. Uh, Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Sean Morton. How are you, Sean? Jeffrey, I am wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. uh, I always say I'm excited. I'm I'm always excited to do this show. It's always a a fun show. We always have great guests. Um, And today is no exception is no exception because i love this guy he is one of my favorite comics in new york city he's so funny he is a veteran comic three stand-up uh comedy albums he you've seen him on true tv comedy central we welcome to the show mr tom mccaffrey how are you Hello.
1: Tom? i'm good how are you that's a that was quite an intro Listen, i was wondering have- if that was me
0: it is you, know, you. You have a qu- quite an extensive resume. Uh, Tom comes into I a do. room. I wish and- you would
1: tell more people about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, if you were around, well, Tom comes into a room and just uh, kind of like hangs out in the back. You don't want to. He don't want to be noticed. He don't want to say anything. Then he goes up on stage and kills every time he goes up. You know.
1: He's, yeah. He, he, well, he, not quite every time.
0: You listen. I, I've never seen you have like a bad set.
1: Uh, okay, so. That's right. Wait, you weren't there Thursday. Oh, was it bad Thursday? <laughs> it was okay. I recorded it. it just wasn't. Um, it w- it wasn't terrible, but they they were kind of tough. Um, I think I'm one of those guys that like even if I'm kind of doing all right, I I feel like I'm doing bad. You know? Oh, absolutely. I feel. I I always do the same thing. I'll have. I I, I did
2: my last like live show like in, in 2020 was like in November, and I was closing the show, and I did like. I was up to an hour and 15 and I was like, I think I should really get going. And they were like, no. So I did like 10 more minutes. And like, I bombed one joke towards the end and everybody yeah. goes, wow, that was the greatest show I've ever seen you do. I'm like, yeah, but you heard
1: that new joke that bombed. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was, I was just focusing on that for like four days afterwards. Yeah. It's like the one person in the crowd that's not laughing. So oh, I can focus on those people all the time. I think it's just, <laughs> I think it's just inherent in comedians. Absolutely
0: Tom you're an interesting guy You have an interesting background Um, Tom besides being a comedian Like later on in life He winds up becoming a lawyer So what were you you like as a kid What were you like growing up Where, where Where did the whole Tom McCaffrey story start
1: um, wow, you guys really go deep on this thing. Um, well, listen, we were screw around on this yeah, show. Yeah, I'm like, I was, I, uh, I grew up in Manhattan. In, uh, no, we want to first. First, York tell us how you
0: conceived. We're, no, I'm all, okay, um,
1: Manhattan. Let's see. Uh, my dad was Michael Douglas. Um, <laughs> no, where I, well, you know, it's funny. I was born in Southampton, Long Island, cause, um, which sounds kind of hoity toity, because I my parents, I was born during the summer, and my parents were there and then um but i grew up in manhattan and i grew up in the 80s here and um when it was bad still here like people don't you know real a lot of people don't realize or remember i guess that it was bad here like it was even manhattan was bad dinkins era like right before that Dink- wasn't dinkins like 1991 or 1989 or something or nineteen ninety, I think. So,
0: so it was before Dinkins. Was it that was at the end of the Koch era?
1: Yeah, it was Koch when I okay. like all during the eighties, and then um, it was uh, yeah, it was just really. And I, as a kid, I was very, I was funny, young. Like I, I do remember like knowing I was funny, very young. Like in cl- like in school, people were always like, "Oh my god, you're so funny!" And um, I remember specifically, I think I was like six when I like f- like first told a joke and killed in front of people
0: and where did you start a stand-up like was it a mic that you first went to
1: and how old were you when you did it i did stand up for the first time in college i went to college in dallas texas and then um i was taking an acting class and i was was 19 and the the professor gave us an assignment one day and i i had thought about doing comedy young i I wanted to be like an actor i was into movies young and I wasn't really into, like, stand-up. I was into, like, like Bill Murray and stuff like that. Like, I was more into, like, people in movies that were funny. Did so, you do
0: sketch or improv?
1: No. So, like, what I I wanted to be an actor because I went to, you know, LaGuardia Performing Arts High School. Of and course I you went, did. I went there for high school. And that kind of got me, like, you know, I had always, like, thought about maybe being in showbiz. But, like, when I went there, I was like, oh, like, there were kids there who were, like, into it and, like... People from there became famous. So like when I went to college, I was I was taking an acting class, and one of the assignments was we had to do a stand-up act. And so I did it and like did well. And the and the teacher was like, Oh man, you're you're really good at that. Like you should do stand-up comedy. And then he was like, I want to take you to like open mic. So I went to an open mic in Dallas. And uh Did he I tell you stop it. acting? What? Did
0: he tell you stop acting?
1: No, but like <laughs> I think he thought it was okay. But I think it was like um I think I was like a pretty good actor, but I, I was really good at this. I think, you know, cause I was, even when I acted, I mean, the things I wanted to do were like comedy things, you know what I mean? So, um, I think I was just scared of stand. Like I did it in Dallas and I kind of did okay, but I was so scared. My stage fright was so bad. I still have bad stage fright, but, um, I didn't do it again for like six years. Um, and, and then the next time I did it was in, uh, in manhattan at the comic strip i took a bringer uh not, not i i took a class where you had to do a bringer at the end with of the D, class with,
0: with db Sweeney,
1: with uh df Sweetler. df swedler
0: were you about to say db sweeney <laughs> I, I didn't know what the fuck his name was i haven't seen him in over a year Sean, sure, do you know these guys
2: no i did i did like two bringer shows once in new york and like i had to was bring steve people. aaron show no, I I'm, I won't say this woman's name because she's a raging twat, but uh, she, I, uh, I had to bring 10 and I brought nine to the laugh factor, uh, to the laugh lounge. And she pulled me aside, like right before I went on stage, she was like, I don't know what kind of gall you have to to think that you could perform tonight. If you brought nine people, you're supposed to bring 10. She was like scolding me. And I was maybe six months in at the time. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I got to change my... Uh, I got to change my path with this because I'll I'll punch somebody right in the fucking face. if They were talking like that again.
1: And that was the last time I ever did a bringer show. Yeah, they were. I remember having a lot of rough experiences like that early on. It was just like shocking how horrible people were. It, it's just like that's crazy. It, like one, you bought nine people and they're like, yeah, you fucking on, bastard. On a
2: Tuesday at like six o'clock in the middle of the Lower East Side. You yeah, know, how, many others, was,
0: how, how many people were in that room that night?
2: Uh, I brought nine, so there was probably fifteen.
1: Yeah. This is the industry so the that show. we choose. Right. Yes, this is the life path that we've chosen. It would have been a lot. Be- it would have been a way better show if there had been sixteen people.
2: I think so too. I think that was that threw off the whole dynamic of the room. That's what it was. It was the odd oh, it number,
0: even numbers. That's right. So
2: did I you stand a
1: lot? Yeah, but I took a minute off my time too. Yeah, of course. Yeah god i once did one and i think it was for spring five and i only brought three and so they were only gonna give me three minutes so he was like yeah i'm gonna light you at two minutes and i was like did you really just say that like seriously to a person <laughs> i hate people like you're that. gonna light me at two minutes like the show can go two extra minutes no man it,
0: it, these are professional shows these six o'clock shows you know if, if you go that extra two minutes, I mean, it, it can ruin everything. It could re- ruin the show. You
1: understand oh, yeah. that? I remember I just did my time. I just went over the light. I was like, fuck this. That was kind of my moment of like, I'm not, I'm never doing this again. I just was like, I just won't do comedy anymore. No, I was <laughs> like, I'm going on the road. That was it. So I learned how to become a host and I just hosted
2: everywhere I possibly could. That would take me.
0: That's actually a good way to do it. You're on stage the most. Everyone gets to know you. You know you're you're thinking right off your dome. What was your most
1: awkward moment in comedy, Tom? Jesus Christ, Um, awkward or just really bad? Like (laughs) I think they're two different things. (laughs) They are. Yeah, I think
0: think awkward.
1: Awkward. Um, Well, I feel like I've had a lot of awkward moments in comedy. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to, I had one where. I had this thing where this wasn't really awkward, but it was like I had this weird week where every show I did in the middle of my set, Jim Gaffigan walked into the room. Is that Eastville? <laughs> no, it was like at different places. Like one, it was like three times in one week. One time it was at UCB. One time it was at Gotham downstairs at Gotham. One time was like stand up New York, but it was, um, it was just like. It, it, it like threw me off every single time. So it was like, it sucked because I'd be killing and then Jim Gaffigan would walk in and I would just like get really tense. And then it was all I could think of was Jim Gaffigan was there. And I was like, I, I just started to do badly. You know what I mean? So it's, it's weird. I, I think that happens to me a lot. Like I, like, cause com- like comedy is all about like being relaxed, you know, and it's, you, you're you trying to be relaxed in the most uncomfortable situation. So I think I'm really good but I can get really awkward when I get in my head. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Like Absolutely, if you get yeah. too in your head, yeah. you're just kind of exactly. like you like like when you start thinking about the timing, it's just that's when I get really awkward on stage. So what do you do,
0: the, what do you do to combat that?
1: I used to drink, but um <laughs> I don't drink anymore. And which was kind of a, you know, I had to kind of like learn how to do stand up without, you know, I didn't have that cushion, but um, I think it's just, you, you, I don't know. You have to be prepared for it and you have to, you know, do as much stage time as you can so that you've like run into every situation like that. Just um, be as relaxed as you can. And if it's going, but not like go up with no expectations, you know what I mean? Cause it's always when, Whenever I do sets where I'm like, I have to do well right out the gate, I have to do well, I won't do well. But if I go up and I'm like, who gives a shit how I do, like, immediately, like, I'll do well, you know what I mean? Because the audience can, like, it's like you asked about awkwardness. It's like the audience can really tell if you feel awkward, you know, and it just makes yeah. them feel bad.
0: When when you had um, a, a comedy seller audition, right? Yeah. Did I that, tell you about you- this? Yes. Uh, but, I, but I think it's an interesting story. And I, I think, um, you know, well, it, interesting it, it, is for, one for, way to say. Well, for our listeners, I mean, it, it's the place to get past in New York City. And so, you know, for, for like a guy like you who kind of like laid back and now you got to, you know, do, do you, were you able to, did you put pressure on yourself or what'd you do to try to alleviate or did nerves just uh, overtake you?
1: Well, what happened with that Well, this was in like um, 2005, 2006, probably like 2006. And it was it was like the, a big club at the time, but it wasn't like what it is now. Cause you know how like it just became I, I, in the last like eight years, it's just become like the Amazon of comedy. Since, since Louis yeah, pretty absolutely. much has done that. Uh, it's just kind of like, it's. I feel like, you know, other clubs are good, but it's it, it's very like it's the seller and then everywhere else, you know. Um, right. And back then it kind of, it, it was, Sort of like that, but they only had the one room. And, um, you know, what's funny is like, I didn't like, I didn't, you know, ask anyone to like get me an audition there. Kurt Metzger, con- like had just gotten past there and he liked me and he contacted me and he was like, hey man, you, you gotta do the seller, you kill, you know, I think you should do it and I'm gonna recommend you. And I was like, all right. And then he set it up and then I went there and like, Kurt wasn't even there the night I went there. Like, and then I heard later that, you know, people who recommend you like they usually are there and they introduce you to Estee, you know, and they're like, Hey, this is the guy and you should da, da, da. But he wasn't there. And I could I remember it was like just a like everyone was like really mean, like no one wanted me there. Like the host wouldn't even um Was it William Stevenson? It wasn't him, but it was someone like that I don't really know, but he just was like, I could just could tell. I was like, no one wants me to be here. No one. And it sucked that Kurt wasn't there. Cause Kurt would have been the guy in my corner. You know what I mean? He would have been like
0: introducing yeah, it, me to it, people. It, show you around. So you walk in you, I guess, upstairs, you're in the olive tree and there's all, you know, all, all, all the big comedians are sitting around like the famous. No, I was just girl. actually
1: outside because like I saw Esty. And the, the thing that's annoying about it is it wasn't like, I was like, I gotta get in the cellar. I gotta get in the cellar. Like, please someone get me in. Like, I wasn't even, I was like, the alt scene was big at the time. And I was like in the alt scene, I was considered kind of like an alt comic at the time. People would always say like, well, at the, the end of the story, like something happens with that. So like, I was outside and they were, and I, you know, I was like, Hey, you're Esty, right? Like Kurt said, I should come here. <laughs> yeah. And like, she was like, Oh yeah, you'll go on. in like two, and the the host I went up to, and I was like, Hey, I think I might be next. And he was just like, I don't know. And he like walked away and I was kind of like, I was trying to like tell him my name and stuff or like maybe you know, it's usually like how it goes with a the host. They're usually like, Hey, what's your name? And like, what do you want me to say? And and here's the light. And so he didn't, he wouldn't talk to me. And then he like brought me up. He got my name wrong. And he hadn't told me where the light is. And I did like pretty good. I think I, I was supposed to be like five minutes. Like I did like, well, I didn't like destroy. I wasn't like, Oh my God, I killed, but I like did fine. Like I had a pretty good set, you know what I mean? And um, like, I did as well as the person who went on before me. And then I went uh, upstairs and um, she was like, yeah, I can't pass you. You, you like when fi- you did 15 minutes, you went like 10 minutes over the light. And I was like, and I'm very aware of like, how long I do, you know, like, I always want to get off stage. Like if I'm doing well, and they give me the light, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm not one of those like, Hey, let's keep going. Like, I'm like, let's end this as fast as possible. Um, So if I'm doing an audition, I want to get out of there, you know, because I was doing pretty good. So like, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I, I did go that long. And she was like, no, well, you, you went at least like 15 minutes. I was like, yeah, I didn't do that. And she was like, well, I can't pass you cause you went long. And I was like, okay. And then, um, I just felt like, I don't know. I just felt like really shitty about it. And I was outside. I remember David tell was there and like, I, you know, was a huge David tell fan and he came up and like introduced himself to me. And like, he was like, Hey, what's your name? And I was like, uh, Tom. And he was like, um, he was smoking. I was like, can I have a cigarette? Cause I just felt so awkward with David tell there. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, Oh, Tom, do you think you like earned a cigarette? Like after what happened in there? And I was like, Oh, fine. He was like, Oh no, I'm just kidding, man. I and mean, he he gave me a cigarette. And then, um, and then I just, and then later I heard someone was like, uh, I think it was my friend, Ari, Ari Shafir. He was like, yeah, I heard you just did like all your alt stuff. <laughs> like when you did your audition and I was like, w- w- like, what does that even mean? My alt? Cause at the time there was a big kind of like, like, uh, were you a big
0: Creek in the cave guy?
1: No. I mean, I did do Creek in the cave, but it was like, at the time it was like UCB was becoming big. And this place where Fifi was like a huge spot for the alt scene. There was a lot of big shows there. And that was on 11th street and like between first and second. And that closed like 2009. And so I would do like, you know, you know I would do all the all rooms, mainly because I just when I first moved to the city, I couldn't get into the clubs. I tried to and they just weren't like and then when that happened to the cellar, I was like, fuck this place. I'm not going to like try and, you know, what I mean, like I, I never wanted to go back there because it seemed like they weren't like they didn't really want me there. So I'm very like if I, if they don't want me somewhere, I just like don't go there, you know. And then what happened was like they opened all these rooms and then I think it became like a little easier to get in there. Like, I feel like there was a time where like it got, they were more open. I feel like when I auditioned, they were very like the people who had been performing, there, have been performing there for years and they were very like protective of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer of a night. So, and then like, I would hear stories later about someone told me later, they were like, Oh yeah, she like walked out of your set like thirty seconds into your set, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, well she probably knew you were an old comic. I I don't. I, I felt like later I really What'd had you no wear? chance. Did you wear a flannel shirt? Um, no, I wore like a, a sombrero and um, <laughs> an eye patch. <laughs> what? An eye patch? Well, see, the Came thing is, like, I did do like the alt scene a lot, but I wasn't like you know, a, like. I could do both. You know what I mean? I feel like the alt comic got a label of like, oh, they don't have any jokes. They just meander up there. But I mean, you've I have jokes, you know what I mean? Like I could, I just, I think the reason they like me in the alt scene is I was very kind of like loose and seemed unpolished. And they, they don't really like if you're too like, Hey, you know, I'm very like laid back. So I think that's why I kind of like, you know, um, could could kind of like transition into that. I don't know what, what she
0: looks for because you there are great comics. like i never understood why guys like dan st germain or mike lawrence never really got up there very much or even were, were pass i mean if they did it was very very short amount of time and maybe then they moved to la but i remember for the longest time those guys weren't weren't passing you see people who i thought were like you know you know just, just not as ready as those guys were
1: you know, I, yeah, and I think what I knew a lot of people that got past there and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, they just stopped giving me spots. I think it's just like very a lot of comics.
0: We know that same story, Sean. Sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just kind of and back when I auditioned, it did feel like a different kind of era of it, because now it's like I've been by there in the last like few years. And it's weird. Like when I go there, I know, like almost everyone there now, because it's like all these comedians that kind of came up around my time. So um, I'm not like. I'm not like sore about, but it always feels a little, you, you know, you've been in there. Right? It always feels a little weird. Like yeah, being I mean, in there, you know, thanks like to
0: Rick Chrome, I've been able to perform on that stage like four times. And then I, I hosted his, um, his roast at around the corner at the, um, uh, at the, uh, village underground.
1: Yeah. So it's like, but you know what I mean? Like when you're in there, it's very like, um, it it kind of reminds me of like a there's like a hierarchy you can kind of feel there you know oh, like, yeah. it's
2: a boy it's it's a, it's a definitely like a fraternity sorority kind of thing like if you're if you're
1: not in that little click they don't want you in there <laughs> yeah it's weird and like it's weird cuz i i think i've been there a few times in the last like 5 years and everyone's always nice to me but i always feel like um i feel like the new kid at school or something you know where you just don't know where to sit at lunch, yeah. yeah. I'm very like okay. Am I allowed to sit here? So, um, yeah. it's a weird. It's a weird vibe. Like I was doing a podcast uh,
2: upstairs. They had that little podcast studio upstairs, and uh, so I was doing the, one of Bobby Kelly's podcasts, and I was downstairs hanging out, and I see, I know it was Chappelle, Chris Rock, and I don't remember who the other person was, and they were always Voss. I mean, no, no, it wasn't him, douchebag. But uh, <laughs> it was just sit, they were all just sitting around. And uh, I go to Bobby, I'm like, why aren't these guys on stage? And they go, he, they all got bumped. I'm like, who the fuck bumped Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock? And he goes, John Mayer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're talking about probably two people that are on the Mount Rushmore of comedy and a fucking blues guitar player who, who wants to riff for a half an hour talking about how he banged Jennifer brands gonna right. guy it's just a weird thing and it's, it has, it's,
1: yeah it has such a mystique now too that like yeah. has been put on it you know what I mean it really is like a good example of like people make something really powerful because like that I don't know just like when you go in there yeah you can just there's like an energy you can feel that's like wow this place is like it's like it's kind of intimidating right it's just sort of an intimidating place a um bit. I think I mean like I just oh, the few times I've been in there I always feel like oh man, I've, but I'm like that a lot of places like um, almost everywhere I go, but not as not as extreme as it is there. It's uh, so I feel like I it, it was one of those things where like I probably auditioned too early. So, it, but I, I guess what it was, what was annoying is like I like Metzger was the guy who like pushed me to do it. He like contacted me, so that's kind of what always sort of like annoyed me and then I, I remember he called me after he's like so what happened i was like oh yeah she didn't pass me he's like okay whatever and i was like oh
0: well <laughs> he stopped talking to you
1: no no he was fine like <laughs> i um he, he was always really really nice to me like i had known him at that point like three years and he was um he and he he did the clubs a lot and i would see him at club shows and he was always like why are you doing this you know the, these all rooms you used to do like the clubs you you need to get in the clinic. I was like, yeah, well, you know, I've done some of them that they don't really, you know, they don't put me on that much. He's like, yeah, and he would, uh, I did the road with, it's funny too, I did the uh, college with him around that time and I, and he opened for me. That's kind of like a funny thing. The fact that like Metzger was the opening for me. That's like the entire story of my comedy career. It's like, I meet people and they're like, hey, you're great. And then they become famous. (laughs)
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I I wish that would happen to me because I know you. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that hasn't happened to me. I yet. can't. Not everyone, but it, it's happened a lot. Yeah, of it's it's yeah. definitely
1: happened. Like I've met like a lot of people who're like, hey, man, like who I didn't know who they were because they they had they weren't famous yet. And then they'd introduce themselves to me and then they'd become like hugely famous. Um, Sean,
0: Sean, have you ever tried doing uh, an alt room? Oh, yeah. You've yeah. You've done alt rooms? I-
2: Yeah, I did one in Brooklyn one time, and I think it was actually
0: Sean is is a New Jersey Bayonne comic. He's half Irish, he's half uh, Italian, Italian, and he's always angry okay <laughs> see him and so how room, did that how, how was it
2: males. so so basically mike lawrence berated me after i walked off stage like <laughs> yeah. it was just it, exactly he was just like you know wow i guess the, you there's like smell of jacar coming off from this italian angry guy
1: right What year, like, like what year was that oof. early on so i gotta figure
2: what is this 2021 Probably like 2010, maybe 2011.
1: Yeah, because like that was around when I was I, w- I wasn't even living in New York at that time. Like like Mike Lawrence kind of came after me because they all seemed like to me, it sort of ended when this place Rafifi closed around 2009. It was still around, the, but it com- felt like it was very Tom, like Who were the comics
0: that hung around Rafifi?
1: It was like Greg Johnson, um, Eugene Merman and Bob, uh, Bobby Tisdale had a show called Invite Them Up that became really popular. And they, Comedy Central actually did like a, a, a compilation CD of the Invite Them Up show that I actually was on. So that was and like Dimitri Martin was on it. Like that Invite Them Up is kind of the is a good kind of like time capsule of that. They all seen at that time. It's like Birbiglia. Dimitri Martin, David Cross was on, you know, and it was like Kumail showed up around that time. And um, Hannibal, Nick Kroll, like I mean, Nick Kroll were kind of in the same class. Like when I started, it was Nick Kroll was was just starting to. And that's um, a great class. What the the fuck has he ever done? done, Right. (laughs) I know. I I can't figure it out. Um, I think he's
0: still doing mics now. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: I saw him like in LA a couple of years and he was, yeah, like I, he, he and I started around the, like, I had been doing comedy like a few years, but not in New York. Like I, I'd done comedy like six months. And then I went to LA for two years and then I came back and it was kind of good. Cause I was pretty good at it, but no one knew me. You know what I mean? So that was kind of a good situation to be in because like, you know, you can, t- you know, you can tell when people like, don't know you, but you can tell they think you're good. Cause they always ask you a couple of questions like like I would go up and they'd be like, how long have you been doing it? That was always the yeah, first question. Yeah. And then the next one is, uh, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, th- those are the two like how I'm feeling you out. People
0: think like you're bigger than you really are. When, when some of these newer comics, they think like that you're bigger than you really are. Me or have you ever just for both you guys? Have you ever gotten that? Like like sometimes they'll do like some of these like you know produce shows and it'll be a comic who's maybe been doing it like two three years and like you go up and you you do great and then they think like holy shit like like they're looking at you like you're Ray Romano.
2: Yeah, but I've also I've also had the opposite too. Like when I first started, I saw all these guys, I was like, wow, these guys are amazing comics, and I'm like, then I look back like. (laughs) it's five years later when i'm doing the fucking borgata and these, these guys are still doing a moose lodge in fucking lake of Pacong, you know i'm I mean?
0: doing a fucking moose lodge in lake like sure. that right now i those For are sure. my favorite shows tom if i yeah do you remember, no go ahead. i can't say the guy's name because the guy's a bit of a, a cock but do you <laughs> remember the guy who was um gonna sue alan fuchs do you know that com- I know that the comment, story. That, I didn't. I, comment, don't know, I don't know. I don't know who
1: that was, though. But I do remember okay. that. So wh- why? Because he wrote. He wrote something or something on social media.
0: He, he, yeah, he he was a troublemaker. This guy, and it just brought, it made me think about what Sean said. Like the first night I ever went up and did stand up, I was like, wow, this guy is a. He must be some heck like of a comic. He's the host. He's the host of the open mic. If I could only be the host of the open mic, I was like, I would have made it in comedy. And like the guy, turns worry, one up-
2: day you will, Jeff.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> this guy turns out to be the worst comic of all time. No, I'm just, I'm holding on to that dream, and I'm hoping to one day be the open mic host.
1: I do remember someone early on, like I well not early on, like I'd done a few things, and like, but I you know whatever, and this and I did a, a college show, and this comedian was he went to the college and I was, we went to his like dorm afterwards. We were all like hanging out. He kind of had like a, he had us all back there. And, um, and I was like, can I use your, your bathroom? And he was like, Oh man, Tommy Caffrey wants to, is going to urinate in my toilet. And I was like, what? I'm going to save that urine. <laughs> and then that guy became like, like sort of famous sort of. It, um, it was Scott Rogowski. Do you know who that is? He was the yeah of um, course no I don't have no idea who Scott Rogowski is. He was the he hosted this uh, trivia app. What's it? HQ Trivia. Do you remember that? Oh
0: yes, yes, and knew it. Matt Richards, a uh, 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 city comic, well, I'm getting the gig right after him. Of course, I remember Scott Rogowski. So yeah, that.
1: Scott and Scott Rogowski actually produced my first solo um, album called Lou Diamond Phillips question mark he he was like he was another I mean from that story you can tell he was like a fan of mine because he like was doing stand-up and um what's the what's the reason behind the name of the CD um because one of my punchlines on it is I go Lou Diamond Phillips like I say like a question and you know you know people always kind of like well yeah they always um will name their CD kind of after one of their punchlines Right I wanted it to be kind of like the weirdest punchline name, <laughs> okay. so I kind of wanted people to be like, Why is it named that? <laughs> you know what I mean so yeah.
2: I was actually gonna name mine Gaga Bieber Spears because I wanted it to pop up on all the iTunes, oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, to, uh, this was
1: before this was like two thousand and eight, and um it uh so and I think I had been thinking of it, and then I saw Todd Barry at a show, and um he was like. Hey man, what, yeah, I heard you're recording an album. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what, what are you going to call it? And I go, I'm thinking like Lou Diamond Phillips, and, and he laughed because you should do that. And then he like walked away, and I was like, all right, I guess I'll do it. That's great. If Todd Barry says it, um, and then actually, you know, not to, so like that year when it came out, um, Laughspin or this mag, you know, online magazine, they did like the top ten comedy albums of the year, and it was on that list, and Louis CK was on it, and like I had you know, gotten into stand-up because I'd seen Louis C.K. do, like, stand-up on Conan. I didn't know who he was, and, like, so that was, like, a huge deal to me, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I oh, got sure. on this list with the guy that was, like, the reason I started finally doing stand-up, so that was, like, a, a highlight. So, it's Scott it's- Rogowski, shout-out. Okay, right, and you, you urinated in his dorm room, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when he said, like, that was one of the, I was like, wow, this guy really, like... Thinks I'm funny. <laughs> this guy's it's, it's, really it's, easily starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's, right, like he actually met like a star. Like, like I know like,
1: he would have just. Like, well, Hulk. then it was funny. He did the HQ trivia with like, and he would have co-host like The Rock, and like, yeah, you know and what that I mean? wouldn't
0: phase him. That would be fun. <laughs> I yeah. know. Yeah, you know, he was oh, on Keith like, the um, Rock.
1: he was a guest on Colbert, like not even like doing stand-up, like a guest. You know, ah. and I'm like, what was that like? You know what I mean? I, very, I actually think. I very rarely ever
2: get starstruck because in our business, you know, you do meet a tremendous amount of people. And uh, probably about 10 years ago, my buddy was doing a wrestling documentary. So we go up to Connecticut uh, to shoot some stuff. And it was like an independent show and Rick Flair's son who had passed away you know a couple of years later was just getting started so i'm standing i'm holding the camera i'm standing on the the stage and like they're they're just about to do a star spangled banner and i look to my right and Rick Flair is right next to me and i just went oh like like I, I couldn't believe it and he goes to me he puts his arm around my shoulder he goes i know man every time i hear it i get choked up too i'm like i know right it was one of those weird fucking and you're a big wrestling guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah that's yeah. kind of like the greatest of all time to, to and like that would be the biggest, call. that would be the biggest person to you uh, in that field. I mean, yeah, but like there's very few times I ever got starstruck. It was that and Slash when I met Slash from Guns N' Roses, and that was kind of the same kind of thing. I kind of lost all the ability to talk. Oh, really? I met him. Yeah, because I think he kind of thought like I was like a a make a wish kid or something like that. Yeah, he probably couldn't talk either. (laughs) Well, he's also like a foot shorter than me, too. So here's this like towering dude over this little miniature guitar player. And he's like, hey, what's up, man? I just went. How did you meet him Uh, after a concert? Oh, okay. Yeah, so after a show, he was outside just hanging out and signing autographs and stuff, and I just happened to be there, and I just totally
1: fucking freaked out. Yeah, who's I don't the, really get... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I
0: was going to say, who's the biggest guys that you guys met but, like, didn't phase you?
1: Um just hmm. in it, it like celebrity yeah
0: yeah like um, like, oh, like maybe you worked with them maybe you did something with them, like eh, i met no i met
1: vince vaughn like a couple of times and i like kind of hung out with him and i was a huge uh swingers fan like oh, I, sure. and I, I still love that movie but like Same. when that came out i loved and i thought he was so like i thought he was hilarious i wasn't like a big like Oh, I love this celebrity, but I really liked. Him. I thought he was really good. And then, like two years after Swingers, I like met him and like because through a friend and like I hung out with him. And he like knew my name and stuff. And how did he know your name? Because, I mean, what I mean is like I met him. My friend was friends with him, so like I went to go meet them, and and he was like, "Oh, hey, Tom. Like my, you know, so and so told me you do stand up, you know." So well, he it was a just
0: stand up guy. You know, he didn't he bring a bunch of comics like Gary Goldman. Yeah, he House was like a road?
1: um. He, yeah, he was really into comedy. He told me he did like um a roundup. Well, he yeah, well that was later. But he said he did um improv in Chicago with like Dell Close. That was when I met him. He told me that because he would like he was into the fact that I was a stand. I'd like been doing comedy like a year and a half, and um, and I remember he was like, "Yeah, man, like yeah, you gonna do any shows? Like, let me know, and I'll come." And I was like all right, Vince Vaughn, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I, you know I mean? The shows I was doing weren't good. And then I think I did invite him to a show and he didn't end up going, but there was like nine people at the show. I can't believe No way. No but way. Like, how how bad st- would
0: you just been if nine people at the show? I, would, I was, was so
1: glad he didn't show up. I would have been like humiliated. So um, that was like, that was what, what's annoying is like when you meet a celebrity, what annoys me about it is like, you can't say anything. You know what I mean? Like you have to just pretend like it's normal or else you're weird, you know what I mean? Like, you have to just be yeah. like, like the fact, like, he was pretty big at the time, and I had to just be like, oh, hello, nice to meet you. Like, you know, and just kind of like, not be like, hey, I couldn't even be like, hey, man, I'm like a fan of yours. Because it just was like me and him and another guy. So it was just like, I couldn't, I had to just be like, yeah, this is totally nor- normal. Like, this is my life. That's what I don't like about being, and this the, the guy that I got the most starstruck with, where I kind of couldn't talk, was, of all people, was Ted Danson.
0: That's, a, that's a
2: larger than
1: life
2: kind of guy, though, you know what Ted that's kind of like a larger than life guy
1: because like that's from our youth. Like Cheers is one of the biggest shows of all time. Yeah, I know? think that's what it was. I think the fact that, like, because I mean I like Cheers a lot, and I but I never was a huge Ted dance of but, but it was weird seeing this guy who had been in my yeah, it's that's like the power of TV when they're in your like living room for like 10 years, it feels so strange. You How know what I mean? Yeah. Get
0: paid? How much does Ted Dance get paid?
1: Like now, I don't probably nothing, but like on the show, I think he was getting like a hundred grand. like yeah, why episode.
0: why don't, why don't we get a hundred grand? Why Ted Danson? why not us? Cause he, like makes money for talent. <laughs> but, but Ted Danson.
2: Well, I, met, I met Henry Winkler it was kind of the same thing. I met him at like one of those, like, you know, autograph horror conventions. And like Fonzie was like everything for me growing up. Like I was a huge Happy Days fan. And when I met him, he was just like the sweetest little old Jewish grandfather. It was like the complete opposite of Fonzie. He was like, hi, how are you today? Just very calm and sweet and, and kind, you know, you
1: almost want him to be a little bit of a prick. Yeah. To keep that. Yeah, he, he, he Whenever i see him in interviews. He always seemed, he's so opposite Fonzie. It's yeah. so
2: chill. I mean, I met Gene Simmons one time and I thought like he would be like a real raging. I asshole. love Gene Simmons, but he was so cool. Like he was like, uh, I was like, ah, I'm a fan. He goes, what's your favorite song? And I go, uh, unholy. He goes, great song. I wrote that, you know, just being like really chill and stuff like that and taking pictures, you know, graciously and stuff like that. But some people are,
1: some people are real dicks. Really I've had a beautiful. lot of, yeah, they are there, but I kind of like get it as I've gotten older, I get it because it's like, um, I don't know. It must be, you know, the older I get, the more I look at, like, if you're famous, it must be like super annoying, you know? Cause like everyone's just annoying you kind of all the time. And I get um, it. You
2: know, like I saw, uh, I was out in LA a couple of years ago on Halloween and I got tickets to see Marilyn Manson at the Roxy. So it's a tiny little place, 400 people, maybe. And Johnny Depp's playing guitar for him that night. He just decides to show up and play guitar for him because they're friends. So they go, he goes next door to the rainbow, which is outdoors, it's wide open, and he has a little rope around his two little chairs. Like really, all right, dude, like at least go inside or go upstairs. That's what
0: I would do. That's a boss move. I would do
1: that. Uh, (laughs) Christ. I once did a, uh, when I lived in LA, I did this bringer at this like club, like kind of off the strip. And it was like an early show. Like, uh, it was like seven o'clock, you know, a nightclub that be, it opened at like 10 and it was just like, they did the show like in this side room near like all these like couches and stuff. And, um, it was just like a bringer show. And actually Brian Callan was hosting it. And, um, there were and they were like, hey, you guys can stay in the club after the show because you're, you know, you're already in here. And it was, and I didn't, you know, and I was like, oh, I guess this is like a cool club. So we stayed. And then like they had roped off right where the show had been after the show, they and they put like a like a place card of who was gonna sit in that section. And they had the um Prince symbol for you remember when oh, wow. Prince had his, he turned his That's name like, to a <laughs> symbol. Yeah, I have a tattooed yeah. right there. Oh, really? So they were like, (laughs) I don't know if it was they were like having a party for him. And that was the section that was roped off for Prince to be hanging out at where the open mic was. And so I was basically like at Prince's party, like by default, just because I had done a bringer show in the area where where it was going to be. And um I think we waited for like two, two and a half hours, like till like 1030. And he like, he didn't show up. So we just, we just left. Um, but it was, so, it was so weird. Cause no one was like, Hey, what are you doing here? You can't like be, you know what I mean? It was just, people just assumed we were like there, that we belonged there.
0: That's, that's going to be my next thing. I'm, I am going, wherever I am next time I'm putting like a rope around me. I'm just going to kind of like monopolize the room and sit there. All right. So we're at the point in the show now, Tom, we, we got We got to talk a little bit of music. This is a music show. And so I, I want to ask you, your band is the Beastie Boys, right? Yeah. Okay. Why, why the Beastie Boys? Why Mike D, MCA, The King, Ed Rock?
1: Why but, those guys? Um... I feel like I, you know, the the older I got, especially when MCA died, I kind of was like, uh, MCA, when he died, I think was, I know, is the only celebrity I ever cried about dying. Um, That was a really, really hard one for me, too. And I wasn't, and I think it wasn't because, like, it wasn't, like, because I was like, oh, MCA, I miss it. It was more because it was, like, the official death of my childhood. You know what I mean? Oh, I get that. it, It represented like this huge thing that shaped me being gone. Like that was such a huge thing for me. Um, I totally
2: get And I think too, part of it was because he actually had cancer. He wasn't like a typical rock star who like OD'd or, you know, drank himself to death. Like he he was like legit sick. Yeah. I can remember exactly where I was when I heard that. I was at a Walgreens parking lot. I did the same thing. I welled up really, really quick. when I when I think
1: I, I yeah, I think I cried like later that when I heard about it, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I, that's ready. A cancer. And it didn't really. And then like, I don't know. I just was like alone that day. And I, I just remember I, I was like, Hey, because I, you know, I always hated it when, when celebrities died and people were like, ah, and it was like, just relax. You can fucking know the guy. Um, yeah. But it more like the fat, the idea that there was no more beastie boys was like, it was just kind of like, you know, when you watch like the wonder years where you're like, oh God, it's like my childhood is over. You know, it's like yeah. it kind of puts it in focus that you're old. Um, that was the theme of that show. Yeah. I've actually been re watching that show because <laughs> like Still it's on holds Hulu. Up. Still it's holds great up. great show. And it's just like I cry all the time because it, 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 I think you it's like. You
0: cry while watching the Years. What? You don't?
1: No. All right, well, you know, some of us have a soul. Um, yeah, exactly. not,
0: not the one years. I mean, I'll, I'll cry watching Home Alone, but not the one years.
1: I always cry with Home Alone, too.
0: With the old man, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Really? I never have cried at Home Alone.
2: come on. I'll tell oh, you my one, on, you you soul, one scene. My one <laughs> scene is La Bamba at the very end when, when his brother runs Ritchie. up the hill and he goes, Richie, I've seen that movie 250 times. I've cried two hundred.
0: Underrated rated movie. It's a great blue Diamond Phillips. Yeah. See? I met you're Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah. He, he is you one did? of the nicest. Yes. He is one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. He 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 sent me a picture, you know, with a great personal uh, autograph. He wished me a happy Thanksgiving.
1: It's funny because I um, I don't have anything against him. I, I The joke I tell where I use him is I was kind of. Tra- the joke is like I kind of refer to him as like a lame celebrity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's basically like the joke is like Ray, you know, Ray Liotta. I'm, I'll do it really fast. It's the, the gist of it. It's like Ray Liotta was adopted. He didn't know he was adopted until he was like in his late 40s. And he found his parents, his birth parents, and they didn't know. Ray. And I was like, that's got to be weird. Like you give a baby up for adoption and then Ray Liotta shows up as your kid. And then I was like, it would suck if it was like a lame celebrity, you know, <laughs> like you open the door and you're like, Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> That's what like, oh, I'm your dad. <laughs> so like, I have nothing against him. Like he was good in the bomb, but he, he later on, I feel like became sort of known as like, kind of a, like kind of a, like uh, mediocre. like a has been an not infomercial not... actor. He is not Just like, infomer- like cheesy, like cheesy, kind of when well, you think of no, him, he... he
0: didn't do anything. Cheat. What did he do? Was he did the uh, young guns movies. Those, Those are horrible. Pretty... I mean that was when that
1: was when he was doing pretty well, but he I think he did like a sequel to like Hop and a Half or something. No, he didn't. Um, he did something like that, like something really bad. He did like bad movies later. Um, Stand deliver. That was still like that was still like that was right after La Bamba actually. So that movie makes me cry actually. Have you? That's a um. And I I, uh, I actually met someone from that movie once. And like, I wouldn't say I was starstruck, but I was like, I thought it was really cool. You know what I mean? This one. Did you see Stand in the Liver? Is that the one
0: with, uh, yeah, uh, with James Olmos?
1: Yeah, I met the girl. Like, there was a girl who's kind of like cute and like, I think she looks like Latina in it, and she's like kind of quiet. And I met her because like my friend was friends with her. I've had that a lot where like, Um, Like I have friends who are in the industry and then all of a sudden some celebrity or some actor that I know will just show up to hang out with us, you know, and I can't say anything like I can't be like, oh, you're the girl from (laughs) Deliver. I just had to like hang out with her for like a night and just never mention it. And she died like two years ago. Way oh, to bring shit. the show down, Tom. I know, yeah, sorry. We're, we're,
0: yeah, Tom. So let's get back to the Beastie yeah. Boys now. Now now, after have to yeah. bring up dead celebrity stories. Um, so what was it Was it Licensed to Ill that got you into the Beastie Boys, or was it Paul's Boutique? Like, wh- yeah, it was what, Licensed What era I mean, was it?
1: I was like, you know, I grew up in Manhattan, and I got into rap. I mean, I call it rap still because when it came out, when I got into it, it was called rap music. Like, And I feel really weird saying hip-hop music. I, for some reason, I just feel like I'm too old to say hip-hop. and so. Yeah. It just feels <laughs> dumb on me. Like it feels very white. So like um, when I was in sixth grade and seventh grade, where, you know, Run DMC had just released their first album and I got really into it. Like this guy at like, House Queens gave me that tape and I loved it. And so that got me into rap music. You know, that was like the new music. And so... I'd been listening for to rap for like two, two and a half years when License to Ill came out. And so, I mean, I think I was like 14 when it came out. And I mean, I was I could not be any more the demographic for that album. I was like I was like a white 14 year old in Manhattan who liked rap music. I mean, like right. the Beastie Boys were made exactly for checked me. every box. Absolutely. So like um, what was the first what? song you heard? I mean, the first one was, you know, the Fight for Your Right song. That was like the one that like blew them up. And also it was crazy to me because they were from Manhattan. And like and then it was a big thing of like like in the Fight for Your Right video, Ad-Rock is wearing a Stuyvesant T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. well, he, kind he's of- wearing this T-shirt, actually. Oh, shit. right. Right. There you go. That's how much I'm into that. So like Stuyvesant was five blocks. That school was five blocks from where I lived. So I was like, holy shit. Like he's what, you know, these, they were huge. It would be like the Beatles coming out and them wear, you know, wearing a shirt. They were relatable to you. Yeah. And I loved rap music. And the, I mean, and that album is fucking amazing. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. later, it's like, still that best one. And Fight for Your Right is like the worst song they've ever made. So like. What's your favorite song off that album? Um. Maybe like rhyming and stealing. I think, uh, oh, um, dude,
0: that, I, I agree to first song off the album too. I love it, yeah. I that love and
1: it. the new style I like a lot. Um, but almost every song on that is Hold Now Hit It. If you go down the line, like the only bad no songs are to Brooklyn. That's still, I mean, that still holds, and that video is hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, I the only bad songs are Girls and Fight for Your Right. Those are the only, like, bad songs. And Girls isn't even that bad.
0: Girls yeah. isn't that bad. That's the worst song on the album. You know that's a killer album then.
2: Yeah. My favorite thing about the Beastie Boys is how, you know, they blew up with that album, but every album after that just
1: got consistently better and better and well, they better. they
0: changed. They changed oh, and yeah. they grew up.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, So then that's, so what happened, what, what clinched it was, so I loved that album. And then, you know, they were always kind of thought of as like a fad, you know, like they were like, Oh, these guys are idiots. They're just, they just have one good album. And then do you like, they didn't come out with an album for like two and a half years. Like Paul's boutique came out 89. in eighty the summer of 89. And I remember it had been, you know, like two, two and a half years, which by that You know, when you're that young, that's like an eternity. Like I hadn't really thought of them. And a friend of mine, I was out in Long Island for the summer. A friend of mine had bought Paul's Boutique and I heard it. And I was like, and it sounded weird. It didn't sound like licensed to ill. So I was like, well, you know, what is this? This is them now. And they were like, and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's a new beasties. And I was like, it sounds weird. Like they sound like their like voices change or something. He's like, no, it's better than the other one. I was like, all right. And then I bought it. And um, I I start playing. I fucking immediately loved it. I thought it was so amazing. And then it's kind of like a point of pride because I loved it immediately. And that album took years for people to get. It It bombed when it came out. Oh, huge. So like everyone later. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I equate that album to Weezer's Pinkerton, where it's a masterpiece. But when it first came out, it was initially on everyone's hate list. And then five years later, it's one of the top hundred albums that you have to own. And I think that's the same thing with, with Paul's boutique.
1: It's like, and that's why I'm always like proud that like, you know, people are, cause later it got like, everyone started loving it. Cause they even say in interviews, they're like, now everyone's like, Oh man, that's my favorite album. But like, it's kind of one of those things I'm like, Yeah, I liked it like from the beginning. You know, I know you liked it when like everyone starts saying it was cool to like it. But I remember even then being like, God, have you heard this? And everyone's like, This is like weird. I know because it was so different than
0: Well, Johnny Rydell, uh, hey ladies, shake your rump. All well, like, like Shake such Your Sh-
1: Rump, it like starts so amazing. And then um, Eggman and then Car Thief, I think is like one of their best songs because it's such like a weird album because it has so many layers to it. You know what I mean? It, it sounds so different from the other album, which is literally just like one kind of like rock lick in each song.
2: Well, they started. Um, they really started to like write their own music at that point too, because they were musicians before they did the whole you know rap thing. They were actually like a punk band when they first started. Yeah.
0: was it in like '98 for Hello Nasty where they actually toured by playing?
1: That was by um, okay. Check Your yeah. Head. That was like when they first started. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was, right, right,
0: right, right. That, that was like '94. I know, like
1: '92, uh, no, like 90, yeah, '92, '93. Ill communication. Ill right? communication might have been the yeah, one because yeah, Head they were '94. Yeah. Um, and so, Paul's. Grew, um, I was just ahead. gonna say
0: they just grow every album. Like, like every album s- has a different sound to it. License to Ill to Paul's Boutique, Paul's Boutique to Shake, Shake Your Head, Shake Your Head to uh, Ill Communication, and then Hello Nasty to me. You know, those are, those are the quintessential classic Beastie Boy albums. And yeah, I, and I th- I think like each one of them, you know, is, is uniquely, uniquely different.
1: I agree. I and, they're, and they've always been like this, like whenever they'd come out with an album, like sometimes I, like I remember when check your head came out, it was 92 and I was in college. And I think I was having like a rough time. I was going to college in Texas and I felt very like, like I wasn't fitting in, in Texas. And I remember check your head came out and it felt very like, Oh yeah, these guys, like it was like an old friend that I hadn't seen in a while. Like, that's what albums when they came out with albums felt, and I I don't know I was just felt like they were like so cool, like they were cooler than everyone else, and I I it was kind of cool that I saw that young because they always had that attitude even from day one because they were a punk band so they had the punk rock attitude of like we don't give a shit what anyone thinks you know what I mean they all from day one they were just like I don't you don't like me I don't give a fuck but that's why I like rap music so much in general I really like like that really resonated with me the the attitude of like oh you don't like me well I don't really give a shit because I don't like you you know because um that's what that's kind of what got me with them out of the gate and I love I just loved how they kept doing it they kind of maintained that they were just like very genuine you know what I mean there's nothing like phony about them
0: they're very very authentic uh group did you ever see them live no, I never saw them live. One of the greatest
2: one of the greatest surprises I ever saw was them in concert. Like
0: Where, I you see them, Sean?
2: Uh the Continental Arena. Uh, they did a whole theater like in the round. So they had the big
0: circulars. Oh, uh, you want to know something? And I, uh, I, I worked I worked one of those shows. Not at the at, so at Continental, at the Garden.
2: Yeah, and, it was so surprising like because they had played their own instruments. Who supported who supported them on that? A Tribe Called, Called Quest. Quest. That's right which is one of my favorite bands too. And uh, I remember one of the one of the memories I had was that they brought out Bismarck and like you think he's gonna do just a friend and you're like, oh I'm gonna hear this. All right, that's pretty cool. And they wind up rocking Benny the Jet by Elton John. <laughs> and Bismarck he sang it. And I just remember I was with this girl at I'm looking at her and she's like, who's that? What's this song? And I'm like, you don't have any idea what the fuck you're watching right now. Cause this is one of the craziest things you'll ever see in your entire
0: life. When you were at that show, when it was, um, it was in the round, it, it was yeah. festival seating. There were no, no chairs on the floor.
2: No, uh, there was standing around the yeah, pit, Like That's a, pit. a
0: fucking nightmare to work. I, w- I was, oh, I, I was working those shows in, uh, in Madison square garden and, you know, the thing, the problem with those shows, because Rage did the same thing when they toured with Wu-Tang, you know, arenas would constantly lose the house, which means people were oh, jumping yeah. down to get in. It was too overcrowded. At the Beasties, they had a call, NYPD, to get people back into the stands because otherwise they would have had to shut down the show. It was.
1: What, I, what tour was that? Like, what know, album? What that was,
0: that, was, was like, 98. That was Hello, Hello, Nasty.
1: Why
2: Solomon L "Communication." Okay,
1: then. So it's like ninety four, ninety five.
0: Well, ninety four. weren't they weren't they on Lollapalooza?
1: Yeah, I, you know what I, I I had an opportunity to go to that. I didn't go. That was like my to chance to go. see... I'm like, I can't believe I never saw them. It's such a fucking thing. You know what, Jeff, I think you're right. I
2: think it was 98 now that I think, because I was working at a law firm then,
1: so that's kind of what I remember. I think it it was too, because that was the Hello Nasty was the tour I remember them being in the round. And that's when they also played
0: their instruments.
1: Did they play it on that one? Because remember, I I I I I thought...
0: On Hello Nasty, they absolutely... Because they is
1: when they got into like they all were wearing like the matching like ju- like jumpsuits, remember? And then they start kind of yes. they had like choreography. That was another thing that was cool. They kind of would do that like that. Like they they um, started doing weird, different things. Like they all started dressing the same and they had like choreography they had worked out. Um, well, that video was insane. Intergalactic. I mean, that song is so fucking good. And then um, the I, other I thing I was going to we-
2: say. The greatest line ever written in a song is I'll stir fry you in my walk. I, I, I can still just walk around and just see that line and smile 25 years later. I love that line.
0: That song almost broke up mine and my wife's marriage. Okay. Really? We, we, we were driving down to Cape Cod and I must've played that song. I say from, from, from Staten Island to Cape Cod, I must've played that song easily 25 times and she couldn't take it. And she was one more time. I'm fucking leaving you. I can't take it. She, she hated the Beastie Boys. You still think you made the right choice?
1: No, I would have <laughs> just, just played kidding. it twenty six times. And I was gonna say, like, you could have heard it one more time. <laughs> I loved that song. Another it, it, thing it was, about them that I loved, and like I realized later, was um, they were like funny. Like they were genuinely funny from the out the gate. You know what the I mean? Sap-
0: sabotage video was was a great video. Yeah,
1: like they were, and even like you know, License to Ill era, they were like right. five feet right. I, they were, yeah. They were, they were funny, and they were like. Um, and then the thing that's funny on Paul's boutique is their their lines on it are really funny. It's almost like borderline comedy. They're they're like they were borderline like a comedy act. You know what I mean? At the beginning, because you know Lonely Island. Like I really like Lonely Island. Yeah, and so do I. But like they're not far off from the Beastie Boys. You know, what I mean they're doing it as a joke, but. Beastie Boys were were always kind of like think they weren't taking it too into, seriously.
0: But Tom, I think when they get into Check Your Head, I think they're becoming a little bit more serious.
1: They do, they and do, think, yeah.
0: And I love, you know, I mean, I, and you did a great parody of um, of uh, so what you want on that video. That and then you sure fan. shot
1: too, yeah, right. Because I'm doing the like underwater, I, yeah.
0: But that's the one that that uh, I caught. You know, that was the one that grabbed my attention. When I saw you do, so what you want.
1: Yeah, I always loved that. I always wanted to get that down, that whole uh, slow-mo rapping they did. It took me so long to figure out how they did that. (laughs) And it's it's really cool, and I love that Nick shirt that he's wearing in it. And that was another thing. They were, like, that was ahead of their time. Like, it was very, like, the fact that they came up with that, you know, like, rapping in slow-mo somehow. Um, Yeah, so...
0: Uh, and again ill ill communications sabotage was another different direction you know they they're a little bit harder, you know you know uh, yeah. but but you like but you like to play on on like it's almost like an homage to the uh, like 1980s 1970s uh, detective uh,
1: shows yeah I, and you know it's funny i don't, i actually don't like that song sabotage that much like i I no, I think that. it's okay, but I, I just I prefer their rap when they rap, you know what I mean? Um and Do you what, like three mics
0: on one DJ?
1: It, which album is that on? Is that no, on, uh, so white just saying that, Jeff? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you like three mics and one DJ?
1: Is that on um, is that on Hello Nasty? Yes. Yeah, you know what? I, I like Hello Nasty, but it has so many songs like there's a lot of songs I'm not that into, but there's there's a lot of songs I am into. It has like 20 songs on it. Um,
0: Super disco breaking is another one. Fun that's song. pretty
1: good. I think the Move is good. That's a, that's one I like. Um, I like that's not my favorite. You know what's funny is after that I don't like I they their next album after that I don't like uh, the To the Five Burrows. Yeah, do that's I. a great and I think they do song. Like a remix. Do you, what that song? I love that song.
2: Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, and Staten.
0: From the Battery to the Top of Man. Yeah, that's I love that like a good one. Oh, and but- I'm white. And I'm
1: white. <laughs> I'm nasally. Leave me alone. But that album, <laughs> it's like, that was the first sign of like, oh, I think they're not as good as they were. They're kind of like not as good as they were. Like, I didn't get that into that album. And then the last album they made, the um, Secret Hot sauce committee committee. Yeah, um not a fan one. Of that one. I don't I never got into that one. Um they did a song with Nas that was like pretty good. The um Too Many Rappers. Um, yeah, I remember that. that was that was okay. That was, was a- like you could definitely definitely like sounded older and were not as that's kind of the um it like
0: it a little bit more political.
1: I think you that really was the problem. The- yeah, I think that was the problem was with the to, to the Tibet. five Boroughs. To the five boroughs. I, and they even say that they it was, it was soon after 9-11 and they're kind of political and it's a little like it doesn't really fit that. You know what I mean? It's like weird listening to the beasties be like serious, too I mean, serious. I think,
0: think about that compared to License to Ill. And
1: I know. Yeah. So it's yeah, like it's a complete evolution. And it also kind of like reminded me like <laughs> that I was getting old. I was like, oh, these guys who were like the funny, like didn't take anything serious yeah. or like kind of the documentary
2: did that for me when I saw that, uh, was the last year. That's kind yeah. of what I did. You,
1: you saw your whole evolutionary timeline going along with them as well. Yeah. I loved that. That was, I've watched that like 10 times. Yeah, I,
0: had, I had a weird chance meeting with them. Um, me and my brother and two of the guys who were all friends, uh, we were all working together, working uh, for Jerry Garcia. Uh, you know, the guitarist from the Grateful Dead. And he it was doing a run of shows on Broadway. And he was doing it for the month of October. And we would all, we worked all the shows. And after the shows, you know, we'd be starving. So we'd be, we'd stop off in Chinatown and go to Wohop. So one night we're in Wohop and who walks in are the Beastie Boys, all three of them. And so I go to my brother, I go, you know, Mark. And my brother is kind of, you know, when he wants to be, he's kind of intimidating because he's a uh, he's a he's um, a federal agent these days. OK, so uh, <laughs> I go, Mark, you know, he always he had that demeanor. I go, Mark, I go, there's uh, the Beastie Boys. Go. Go. Hey, Adam. Go. Hey, Adam. So there <laughs> two of them. Right, right, so he, so he's by, I, I didn't t- I didn't say uh, a name. Go, Let's say Adam. Go. Hey, Adam. So he goes, hey, Adam. Hey, Adam. And they all, all of them come over.
1: They and came so, over?
0: Yeah. So Adam yanch goes, how'd you know my name? So my brother goes, <laughs> and just deadpan goes, we know what you look like. <laughs> and now they don't know what to say. and But we're all sitting there and we're all wearing the same shirt. We're all wearing these Jerry Garcia shirts. He's like, how come we all wearing Jerry Garcia shirts? I go, I, So I say, well, we just came from uh, working with him. We've been working with him all month. He goes, Jerry Garcia. Tell him Adam says, hey.
1: Uh-huh. Yauk yeah, said that. Yes. Um, you, you know what's funny is um, I remember there's an interview with Ad Rock where the, when they went to meet with the Capitol label head when Paul's Boutique came out and they were like, "Well, they because
0: they, they, they switched labels." They, yeah, that's
1: a big were, thing too. I don't know a lot of people know that, but like I didn't know that until like not I that. Would, long. Well, I mean, they used... talk about it in the documentary, but sure, I didn't know I was... it
0: hold on a second. I, because Sean, I was working for the label at that time. You know, I was working, my first job at, time at a, of a high, a, a college, you don't know this, I worked for uh, CBS Records in the A&R department. Uh, I'll listen I never tell, tell this story, by the way. Um, yeah, I was working for, um, for CBS Records, and one of our subsidiary labels was Def Jam. And then something happened between you know, yeah. you know, between, uh, you know, the band and Walter. And- and, right. And they wound up shopping, then going over to Capitol.
1: Yeah. And they said that, um, when Paul's boutique came out, Capitol wasn't pushing it at all. So they met with the the, the head of the label and he said to them, like the guy was wearing like a tie dye shirt. And he was like, you guys, I totally get it. I'm a deadhead." and this is this is an interview I saw ad rock and he goes and he goes just FYI I'm not a deadhead I'm not a deadhead <laughs> um so it's funny that you tell that story that you guys were wearing like Jerry Garcia shirts um cuz i remember him specifically saying you know the, but that reminds so like i had like i never saw mca in person but i saw like I came close to meeting Mike D and Ad Rock. So like I was doing a show in like 2002 down. It was like, I just moved back to New York and I was doing standup and I was doing this open mic and um, not really an open mic, a book show, but no one, it was like a very small show. There was maybe like 15 people there. And Neil Brennan at the time was just starting up because like um he had done Half Baked, you know, and he was a writer. Mm-hmm. And then he just moved back to New York and he wanted to start doing stand-up And he had to start kind of like, at the bottom to le- learn how to do stand up. So he would, Neil Brennan was like kind of around, it was like me, Nick Kroll, and a few other guys, and we were all doing the same shows. And it was when they were developing Chappelle's show. And um he showed up one night, Neil Brennan, to the show with Chappelle and Mike D, because Mike D's wife directed Half Baked. So that's like the connection. No, um, so there was like 15 people there and it was like right before Chappelle show came out and like just Chappelle and Mike D are just in the audience at this like show where everyone on it has been doing comedy like two or three years. So I had to like go up in front of Chappelle and Mike D it was just like the most surreal moment. You know what I mean? And I never got, they left like immediately. So I didn't get, I didn't want to go up to Mike D and be like, Hey man. Um, So that was, and then Ad Rock, a friend of mine did a show once at Joe's Pub and Ad Rock was like on the show and I was talking to my friend backstage, like around the green room and Ad Rock was there, but he was like surrounded by people and I didn't want to like butt in, you know what I mean? And I remember I walked by a few times, he kind of looked at me like, kind of like... He's probably scared of you. I was, like, dressed, like, exactly like him in 1994.
0: <laughs> That's <he> was <laughs> yeah, it was, it was single-wife female syndrome.
1: And it was when I, I told you, like, I, I rapped myself. Like, I released rap albums. Yes. And yes, this so. is when I was doing that. No. Um, they were funny. They were supposed to be funny. But, you know, I was kind of, like, I wanted it to be good, too. Well, so well,
0: We're going to have to get you back in here to talk about the rap album. We never got a chance to talk about your, your musical shorts uh, or your, your shorts that were on. Uh, um comedy central. Comedy central yeah. yeah. Where can people find you, Tom? And what and what do you got going on in the future?
1: Um, well, I you know, I'm Instagram and all that. I'm on Instagram like Tom McCaffrey722, and then um at Tom McCaffrey Twitter. And I have a I have a podcast called Last Exit to Brooklyn. You should do it sometime. And then um and yeah, you guys should both do it. And then um we just talk about pop culture and like movies and stuff. Um, and I've I have a few albums on iTunes. Um, I've a few uh, stand-up albums, and then two rap <laughs> albums. I know it sounds totally ridiculous, but um, no, nah,
0: man. It, 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 listen, you got to branch out, and you got to do different things. And you know, we love our audience to go and and, and find and check out Tom McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, my okay? rap name was. I think my rap albums are under Tom McCap. They're on iTunes and under TMC was my rap name. And like Hannibal Burris is on no, my first album. It's not and that bad.
0: I want to make fun of it, but I can't make fun of it.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, I was doing I like it, in it that way. I was doing, you know, actually Lonely Island was kind of what made me be like, ah, yeah, I could do this. Cause like I loved Lonely Island and they, you know, you can tell with them, they're like really big rap fans, but they also knew they couldn't just be like, I knew I couldn't be like a straight up rapper it would be ridiculous. So I was kind of like, Oh yeah, this is kind of a joke. But part of me was like, yeah, but it's not you, really a joke.
0: Wait, before we let you go. Okay. Please, t- please tell me in the videos, you're not wearing sunglasses and then any of your wraps, but like, go by going like this.
1: Do you uh, do that at all? No, I was, um, thank God, I'm trying to think what I, you know, I, I would dress like, uh, Sometimes I would kind of you know, dress over the top like I had a a sweatshirt that said in the run DMC, you know lettering or yeah, you know, like it looked like how they said run dMC, but it said run l e s like run lower east side. Um, did you wear your hat? Like sideways? I had like a you know, I always was really into wearing hats. so I'd wear like a baseball hat, and, you know, sometimes i'd I'd have like the ski hat or I'd wear somebody to the side. um. You know, it was, when I was doing videos, I was very like emulating Beastie Boys videos. I was and I was trying to do that slow mo rap thing. It took me a little while to figure out the tech. You know, it was it was harder. This was like 2010. It was harder to like figure out how to make videos at that point. Now it's like you can just do it on your phone. So
0: right now you can shoot a lot of stuff on your phone. All right. Listen, folks, Tom McCaffrey, Instagram, Twitter, check out his albums check out his rap albums uh things are opening up you're gonna to see tom in all the clubs in new york city and uh sean anything before we go
2: uh you no was great. great meeting you tom and, uh, great meeting you thank you thanks for having me on fun. a lot of fun today
0: all right folks we will see you back have a great palm sunday and uh we'll catch you guys uh next week take care everybody